The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A new investigation into the death of 16-year-old Aoife Johnston, who died from meningitis after waiting 12 hours on a trolley in A&E in University Hospital Limerick. Now, there were 92 patients on trolleys in the hospital on the day that Aoife was admitted to A&E. Yesterday, at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, there were 100 people waiting on trolleys in UHL, exactly double the number of people on trolleys in University Hospital Galway, making UHL again the most overcrowded hospital in the country. For more on this, I'm joined by Priscilla Lynch, clinical editor of the Medical Independent. Priscilla, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, I read uh, the report, uh, the front uh, page story in the Sunday Independent about uh, the tragic death of Aoife, um, a death that possibly could have been avoided. That's correct. I mean, there was a litany of care failures um, for um, Aoife Johnson, um, as unveiled in this report, which still remains unpublished by the HSC. Um, She passed away, very sadly, a year ago today. And uh, that initial report actually was due within three months, and it took nearly a year to be finally delivered to the family. And on foot of the findings of that report, where there was a litany of care failures for Aoife Johnson, and some wider questions as well about the, the wider functioning of the hospital at that particular time, the head of the HSC, Bernard Gloucester, has now announced a new independent report to be carried out and to look at the wider failures as well at the hospital, as well as the individual care of Aoife Johnson to see what what could have um, happened in her case, uh, where were were the failures and is there any accountability? I suppose that's the key question a year on. The question Um, of whether or not a particular emergency protocol was uh, not introduced when it might have been and whether they had enough personnel, these will be all matters for Frank Clark, uh, the uh, retired Chief Justice who's going to be conducting this examination. But it is uh, quite clear, even when you look at the numbers of people on trolleys uh, today or yesterday, that they are grossly understaffed to cope with the demands being made on them. Absolutely. As you pointed out there, things haven't improved in Limerick in the last year. In actual fact, they set a new record at the end of October where they had 130 patients on trolleys in one day in Limerick. Um, so things have deteriorated um, really rather than getting better. And we are facing into the busiest time of the year um, in our hospital service. Now, to be fair, as the HSE will point out, they have invested in Limerick in the last number of years. Uh, since the pandemic, they have put in over 100 extra beds into the hospital. It is a large hospital. It has over 500 beds. There's another 96 bed board uh, due to open up um, hopefully next year and there's two other further large bed blocks as well in the planning stages but again uh, you know as of now things haven't improved the hospital is under significant pressure significant um, understaffing and Limerick is where we've seen um, staff at the end of their tether even gone on strike nurses outside of the general hospital system they've been calling for years for extra beds for extra staff and we're seeing the results of this it's also part of the wider issue in the Midwest as well that there's too much dependence and too much pressure on Limerick. It is the only 24-hour emergency department in the particular region in Limerick and in obviously yeah. clear and parts of Tipperary. The, qu- the questions that will arise are about how quickly uh, every patient should be triaged when they uh, reach an emergency department, whether it's St. Vincent's in Dublin, the Matter Hospital or UHL or University Hospital Galway. Um, that uh, that should happen very quickly in Eva's case. It did not according to the report I, I, I read. Um, but there are more uh, kind of fundamental things. We're told that the the weather was icy that night and therefore there were people in there with uh, fractures and, you know, older people with uh, hip fractures, for example, are extremely vulnerable uh, to possible fatalities. So you can't just dismiss fractures. But there's no question that, you know, UHL being the only place to go presents problems. 
Absolutely. And we know at that time of the year as well, you would have a surge in RSV, you would have flu cases, you would have COVID-19 cases. And then we, we know with weather issues like that, you'll have fractures presenting to the emergency department. We know that there is data that shows for the longer that you're in an emergency department, the higher your risk of mortality or poorer outcomes. Uh, for every 21 older patients kept overnight in an emergency department, um, there's one extra de- death at 30 days. We've seen that uh, information coming out recently in a number of studies. We've also heard, um, in, if you look at um, Ireland and compared looking at international data, that there could be around 350 um, extra deaths a year caused by overcrowding uh, in emergency departments. This has been pointed out by the Irish Association for Emergency Medicine consistently, and we do know that we simply don't have enough capacity in the Midwest. They are trying to address that, but they haven't addressed it quickly enough, and it has been warned about for years and years. And full capacity protocol, as you pointed out there, that is supposed to be implemented in hospitals when there are such high numbers in their emergency departments. Yeah. That means that all kind of hands on board, that uh, procedures are cancelled. But it's not just emergency department patients, as we know, then suffer. It is the wider hospital system. It's those who are waiting yeah. for um, for surgery. So uh, there are some key questions, but also accountability. Doctors and nurses will be held to account by their particular regulation bodies, the nursing board, the medical council. But who holds the management to account? Mm. Who makes the decisions about staffing? Is the government um, responsible when they haven't given the resources for a particular hospital? Yeah. So there, there, there will probably be um, some question marks over whether or not people should be on call uh, at home or whether or not they should actually be in. You know, if you're being paid, perhaps um, you should be actually present, even though the prediction might be for a slack enough night. Wouldn't that be lovely for the people who are normally uh, doing the duty that they have an extra pair of hands or two who are present instead of being on call, just to give them an easy night from time to time. I mean, what's wrong with that? Well, I suppose if senior hospital staff would point out that they do go above and beyond often and that they do come in when there are situations like that, but we simply don't have enough senior decision makers that can be rostered consistently across those particular hours and that they do have protocols in place. But were there, were there incidences where you know individual patients have been failed, we know that there have been. Um, and this case, um, as tragic as it is, is not the only case where there have been question marks over a younger a female patient dying in the emergency department in Limerick and in other hospitals around the country. As you said there, you know, when you are triaging a patient who is most at risk, unfortunately, um, staff have to make a decision in a very pressurised um, situation. And we are going to hopefully hear more information to come from this particular yeah. case. And can wider lessons be learned? Because there are other bodies in the UK, for example. There's the Care Quality Commission. There's the Health Services Investigation Board who do very interesting and detailed reports which are publicly published and are quite critical and changes are made and mm. people are held to account. We don't seem to have the same level um, of intervention in this country Um, and is a time that we did. uh, Finally, Priscilla, the the reason uh, UHL is so crowded is it has a huge catchment area. There's no A&E in Nina. There's no A&E available at night in places like Ennis. I don't know what sort of a service they might offer during the day, maybe minor injuries, treatments and so on. I don't know enough about it. But I do know that uh, everything at night in the emergency departments, they all end up in UHL. And the question has to be asked, who made the decision, which may have seemed wise at the time, to concentrate investment on one campus, UHL? Who made that decision and was it the right one? Absolutely. Previous reports and previous governments would looked at the smaller hospitals such as Ennis, such as Nina, and they would have concluded that given the small numbers attending, perhaps, uh, and then the small numbers of staff and how difficult it is um, to get that level of staffing at night, that it would have been safer for patients to be sent to a better, bigger, um, better equipped hospital with more senior staff. 
is that actually how it's played out? Doctors at the time did warn that by downgrading those hospitals, you put patients actually at risk unless you increase capacity in the larger hospital where they're being sent to. Limerick capacity was not increased significantly at the time those decisions were made. Now, we've seen some rollback in the last year where there is medical assessment units, minor injury units in these hospitals that some patients are actually being triaged and sent to those hospitals uh, depending on the level of care need there. We know that there's a virtual care ward as well being rolled out for Limerick uh, in the new year. But again, too little, too late. And obviously, this has been going on for years. Pat, I've been a medical reporter for about 20 years and senior consultants in Limerick have been warning for years about the inadequate capacity. It is being addressed now, but it certainly wasn't um, addressed when it needed to be. And we now have a population of over 5.1 million across the country. We're seeing that pressure on our hospitals every day, inadequate capacity in many other hospitals. And the government has added over an extra thousand beds since the pandemic. But clearly we do need a lot more. We need a lot more staff. And we also need to attract good quality staff. The staff in Limerick are really experiencing burnout. How can we attract quality staff down there, given the conditions that they're working in? I remember going back to Brendan Drum as head of the HSE, though he decided that we had enough hospital beds. And that probably was an error at the time, but uh, we're uh, living with that legacy now, I suppose. Priscilla, thank you very much for joining us. Priscilla Lynch, who's clinical editor of the Medical Independent. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.